0: hello and welcome to the 31st episode of the commander quest podcast where today we are going to be having our jumpstart set review Uh, i'm going to be doing this in multiple parts and there will be time blocks in the description of what parts are when but to start off i'm going to explain how jumpstart works and how i think it's going to be as a format For step two, I am going to be uh, talking about the new cards. There are only 37, so I will at least briefly touch on all of them. Uh, Step three, I'm going to talk about reprints. Only the very most expensive reprints, but I will still talk about them. And for step four, I'm going to briefly touch on all the different themes and talk and. Uh, say what rarity they are. So, let's get started on step one. So, first of all, uh, it has been fully released at the time of recording. I believe it was fully released on the 20th or the um, 19th, maybe the 18th even? No, I think it was the 19th. Um, it will be released on July 17th, so that's a very far, very far in the future. That is because of COVID 19 delays. The uh, time of release did get changed. There will be 20 card packs, uh, and so these packs are predetermined what will be in them. There are 121 different packs you could get. And it's going to be exactly the same of one of those 121 cards. So, there are, they're, you, they're probably, if you buy them individually, going to be maybe 5 to $7. Uh, if you buy, don't buy them individually, it's $100 for 24 I found a pre-order price for that. So, that comes out to be roughly $4. But, of course, it goes up. Because you're not buying in bulk. And of course, uh, it goes up just generally. I don't know. That seemed like a really cheap price. I don't think they're going to be selling for less than $5. Alright. So, the way that it works as a format, um, beyond being able to open packs, is you just get to shuffle them together and then you can play that. There's going to be almost 500 reprints and 30... Well, there are uh, not almost 500, there's 423, that's just what they said, and 37 uh, new cards. Uh, There can be one or multiple variations of themes. So, there's the themes, and then there's the pack lists. For the themes, I believe there are 46... And they either have one, two, or four variations, which determines the rarity of the theme. Uh, I don't know why there's not three. And I talked about this last episode. It's quite strange that there are not three. I actually wasn't sure if there weren't three last episode, but for some reason there's not. Um, But I guess that's just how how they designed it. So, lands are included, and I'm 90% sure you're not supposed to make any changes to the decks. Uh, I, I mean, that's what it's said in the releases, but it does seem quite strange, because usually there's only 5-7 to seven lands per pack, which in a 40-card deck seems incredibly low. It just seems like, best-case scenario, we're working with 14 lands. It seems quite strange. But, maybe I'm, just, maybe I'm just confused. So, one in three boosters includes an extra rare. So, that's what they said in the release, but how it really works is, one, some boosters, I think, I think it's evenly split between these three options. Some boosters have one rare, some boosters have a mythic, and some boosters have two rares. It can be any of those three things. I think it's evenly split considering 1 in 3 boosters includes an extra rare, uh, but it's hard to say um, for sure. It will be on Arena, but it is expected to work differently. So just to recap, 20 card packs with lands. Uh, There will be 121 variations of the packs, no foils. There are no foils in this. I do think that would have been a fun way to make it so there was variation in the packs. Maybe a random card is a foil or something like that. Uh, Plus, being able to foil things is really nice. Uh, You get to shuffle them together and then play in, I'm sure, a tournament structure similar to a draft. So, I think this is going to be incredibly fun to draft... Uh, as you don't really have control, which is very, very different from other formats. Now I think it's going to be a lot more luck based, which kind of sucks, but I do think it's going to be a very new way to play Magic. It's going to be unique from how we usually do it. And it might give you a head start on whatever uh, deck you might want to build around that theme. Now. I don't think that's really accurate. Uh, you might get one or two, maybe even three cards you're going to use, but it's not going to be any type of head start on your deck. I don't think that's going to be that big of a, but that big of an impact. So that's kind of all I have to say for how it works and how I think it's going to impact it. Let's get into the new cards. So, there are 37 new cards. Um, some of them are good, some of them are bad. Uh, most of them are at least somewhat relevant. So, let's just let's just go from the top. Blessed Sanctuary 3, white, white for an enchantment. Prevent all non-combat damage that would be dealt to you and creatures you control. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, create a 2-2 white unicorn creature token. So, this is interesting. You could put it in a flicker deck just to get extra value on ETB. Any type of recursion deck, bounce deck, something like that, that could work fairly well and create tons of tokens. You could put it somewhere that likes to wrath, for example, a fire song and sunspeaker deck to take advantage of preventing all non-combat damage that would be dealt to you and creatures you control. Or you could put it in a deck that just loves to cast a ton of creatures, similar to Animar, but not in white, so I guess it would be uh, God Eternal Oketra would work very well in order to get a lot of creatures. Uh, Those two things I don't see going well together, and the unicorn bit is mostly irrelevant, but individually those things can still be quite useful in many decks. Next is Brightmare, 2 and a white for 2-3 Unicorn, when it enters the battlefield, tapped up to one target creature, you gain life equal to that creature's power, yeah that's pretty bad. Uh, Emil the Blessed, 2 white white for a 4-4 Legendary Creature Unicorn, uh, It so this can be your commander. 3 Exile another target creature you control, then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. So, the first thing you think is infinite combos, and there are many infinite combos that go with this. Uh, less than you would think, but they definitely exist. Uh, of course, if you go out of colors and include blue, it becomes so many infinite combos. But if you're just in white, there's a couple. I'm not going to go over them, so that's fine. But, second ability- uh, sorry. I never actually talked about what you could use it for other than infinite combos. Uh, You can also just use it as value. I mean, you can use it to blink your creatures over and over and over again and get really good value from it. There's a lot of good ETBs in white because white loves flickering things. This can be a very good way to take advantage of it. Plus it has green in it because of its second ability. Whenever another creature enters battlefield under your control, you may may pay hybrid green-white. If you do, put a plus one plus one counter on it. If it's a unicorn, put two plus one plus one counters on it instead. Uh, Green-white can be played with either green or white. So, first, unicorn tribal, some people will build it, but 90% of decks will not be unicorn tribal. I'm just going to tell you that now. Second of all, uh, plus one plus one counter benefits can be relevant, but again, I don't think that's going to heavily be abused because if you are re-flickering your creatures over and over and over again, it's going to be quite difficult, especially because you are wanting to save all of your extra mana for Emile, uh, specifically for her ability. Next is release the dogs, 3 and a white for sorcery, create four one one white dog creature tokens. Um, okay, it's fine. Uh, making tokens can be good, and if it is in a dog deck, it can be especially good. But I'd say overall this is a pretty weak uh, token producer. Steel Plume Marshall, 3, white, white for 3, 3 with flying. When it attacks, other attacking creatures you control with flying get plus 2, plus 2 until end of turn. This will go well into flying decks and nowhere else. Stonehaven Pilgrim is 1 and a white for 2-2. When it attacks, if you control an artifact or enchantment, uh, Stonehaven Pilgrim gets plus 1, plus 1 and gains lifelink until end of turn. Um, this is just bad, honestly. Uh, Supply Runners is 4 and a white for 2-2. Two, two. When it enters the battlefield, put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on each other creature you control. Um, putting a plus 1 plus 1 counter on each creature you control can be quite useful. Um, but for 5 mana, it's... it's okay. It's a little bit weak, and in a Flicker deck, it's not particularly good either because you will flicker all of your creatures, therefore losing the value of it. So, being able to take advantage of using its ETB multiple times isn't really practical, and it only happening once isn't particularly good. Uh, most of the time, it is much, much better to just play a card that will pump up your creatures temporarily uh, enough for you to win the game. doesn't matter if your pump is temporary, if you have just won the game. It is a dog, which is notable because, of course, dog tribal is becoming a thing, but still is not the best thing, uh, especially because plus one plus one counters aren't really relevant with dogs. Next is Trusty Retriever, three and a white for 2-3. When it enters the battlefield, choose one. Put a plus one plus one counter on Trusty Retriever or return target artifact or enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. I don't care how playable this is, it's cute. You got a nice little doggy getting your sword, I think that's a sword, getting your sword for you. It is cute, and I will always be returning the artifact from my graveyard to my hand. Uh, don't care about its playability. Archaeomender is 2 and a blue for a 2-3. When it enters the battlefield, return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. Um, that's, Fine. I mean getting ar- getting artifacts back can be quite cheap, much cheaper. It's kind of a pretty bad way to do it, but it could work in some specific decks. Bruvac the Grandiloquent is two and a blue for a 1-4. If an opponent would mill one or more cards, they mill twice that many cards instead. So, first of all, this is a great commander for a mill deck. Second of all, uh, persistent petitioners. Uh, persistent petitioners, if you do not know, you can run any number of them, and basically you can tap four advisors, and of course the petitioners are advisors, in order to make an opponent mill 12. Because Bruvac is an advisor, you can tap him and you can mill your opponents for 24 by only tapping four advisors but really three because he is one so it's just going to be incredibly incredibly good uh next up is corsair captain uh two and a blue for to do when it enters the battlefield created treasure token and other pirates you control get plus one plus one uh this does have this set does have some support for pirate tribal But it's not too much. It does have a pirate tribal theme, but as I said a second ago, there really is only one card to actually one new card to actually help that out. Which is good, but it doesn't change the fact that there just aren't isn't enough support for pirates. So this will go into pre-existing pirate decks, if I can remember what the commander. Uh, that helms those decks is called. I know it's in blue, black, red. Um, oh, what's it called? Come on. Uh, yes. Admiral Beckett Brass. One blue, black, red for 3-3. Other pirates get plus one, plus one. And at the beginning of your end step, gain control of target non-land permanent, controlled by a player. Was dealt combat damage by three or more pirates this turn. So yes, existing pirate decks will get a hand, but that doesn't solve the problem of pirates. The commander for it already is, demands an extreme amount of pirates that it can't fill, and having one more lord is not gonna fix that issue. Next is Inea's the Gale Force, three blue blue for four four with flying. Attacking creatures get fly- with flying get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Uh, sorry, for two white-blue. So, it's blue and white. So, first of all, this can be a very effective flying commander. Uh, they have been printing a lot of those recently. Um, the second part is whenever three or more creatures you control with flying attack, each player gains control of a non-land permanent of your choice controlled by the player to the right to their right. So there has in the past and continues to be a significant amount of support for flying tribal decks. This just helps it along. If you remember, I just read a card that supports flying creatures, Steel Plume Marshall, a minute ago. Uh, they're just deciding to put even more support with flying, which I, which makes sense. I mean, it is a very... Supported theme, but it can, it could have a helping hand as it really isn't played that much. Next is Ormos, Archive Keeper. Four blue blue for a five five with flying. If you were to draw a card while your library has no cards in it, instead put five plus one plus one counters on Ormos, Archive Keeper. And it has one blue blue. Discard three cards with different names. Draw five cards. So, First of all, as a commander, it can be quite difficult to mill your entire deck in blue. It's not the most difficult thing, but it's also not the easiest thing if you were to add black, for example. Um, So, as a commander, being able to mill your deck could work, but most of the time, if you can mill your deck, it is pretty easy to get a card such as Laboratory Maniac or something similar back to the field and win with that rather than having to make Ormos 5 plus 1 plus 1 counters. I mean, if you think about it, it just doesn't seem that good. First, you have to mill your entire deck. Then you have to have Ormos out. And then you have to draw a card with it, which if they destroy Ormos while you are doing that, you will lose the game. Before you do that, rather. You will lose the game. And and then your payoff is you get a 10-10, and you can't stop yourself from drawing that card in order to to, uh, get rid of the risk. So, I mean, sure, the first time we get 10, the second time we get 15, that's two hits. Third time we get 20, again, two hits again. And the fourth time we can just kill the person. But that's taking us a total of five turns. Our opponents are getting to draw 15, 3, 6, like... uh, 11 cards, our opponents are going to draw 11 cards looking for removal that will literally kill us in the process of us trying to win. And that completely disregards the fact that they could have already had removal. I just... And the second ability, discard three cards with different names, draw five cards. I mean, it's gonna be pretty easy to do for three mana and you can easily take advantage of that I don't know the first ability I think is bad the second ability I actually might think is going to make it playable being able to draw five cards can be incredibly useful for triggers and for decks such as um the locust God. This could go very, very well in there as a don't lose the game condition, a beater with flying, and a way to draw five cards for three mana. I mean, if you're playing it as the commander, you do have to deal with the fact that you only have islands, which can be difficult, but it shouldn't be too difficult to diversify your land base. I don't I don't think this is great. But I do think in some cases it can be useful for that second ability. For the third one, for the first one, I just don't think that's it. Next up is Scholar of the Lost Trove, 5 blue blue for a 5-5 with flying. When it enters the battlefield, you may cast target instant, sorcery, or artifact card from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If an instant or sorcery spell cast this way would be put into your graveyard this turn exile it instead. So this is seven mana to get a five five flying sphinx. First of all, all these sphinxes, uh just the two Ormos and Scholar of the Lost Trove, can go into the Sphinx Commander that I cannot for the life of me remember what it is called. Uh but beyond that, um being able to recur things can be valuable, but I don't know if it's worth that amount of mana in a flicker or blink deck this would be incredibly powerful but if it's not there it just seems a little bit weak it could definitely work if you are in a uh deck that likes to cast large spells but for some reason they have to go to the graveyard can think of a couple but not in the right colors um so it could work not necessarily in too many decks, though. Which is okay. I think it's good to have niche things. Next is Kells. Fight Fixer. 2. Black Black for a 4-3 with Menace. Whenever you sacrifice a creature, you may pay hybrid blue-black. If you do, draw a card. Blue-black can be played paid with either blue or black. 1. Sacrifice a creature. Kells. Fight Fixer gains indestructible until end of turn. So, first of all, we think of all the other creatures that have this ability. Sometimes they don't even make us pay mana. But what makes this stick out? The thing that makes this stick out is, one, we have to pay mana, which is a downside. And two, the important thing and the upside is it doesn't say non-token. You can sacrifice all the tokens you want. And you're in blue-black. In blue, it is relatively easy to make 1-1 one, one flying creature tokens. Not that easy, but it can happen. And in black, it is also incredibly easy to make tokens. You can produce a lot of creatures. And having, an, having the ability to sacrifice those and then pay blue-black to draw a card is incredible. First of all, just the fact that we do have a sacrifice outlet on a commander is awesome. Sadly, we do have to pay a mana for it, which is really bad, really annoying. But it still can lead to some combos. Uh, Having a second sac outlet would be much, much better though, because we don't have to pay that one mana. Having to only pay one mana to draw that card rather than two would make a huge, huge difference. Not only would it probably double the amount of things the amount of creatures we can sack for draw, but it would do more than that because of uh not even balance in our creatures. So in the number of see the number the amount of mana we have. So I think it would be incredibly good if built correctly. But if you're not careful and you don't think about what you expect, you could be disappointed. Nocturnal Feeder is 2 and a black for 2-1 with flying. When it dies, each opponent loses 2 life and you gain 2 life. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, I'm thinking... Yeah, I'm redacting my statement from earlier that I'm going to go over all these cards. I've been reading too many useless cards. I'm just going to skip those. Uh, but I will be talking about some of the not great cards. I'll just... Cut out the completely useless ones. Next is Tiny Bones, Trinket Thief. One and a black for 1-2. Uh, at the beginning of each end step, if an opponent discarded a card this turn, you draw a card and you lose one life. For black-black, each opponent with no cards in hand loses 10 life. This is incredibly good. We have to figure out how to farm in a way... That we can get as many cards as possible that make each of our opponents discard a card, especially at instant speed. If we can, if we have multiple cards that get our opponents to all discard cards, then we can draw three cards. With three cards, we are fairly likely to draw another effect that does that. Plus, we have four. Most, plus we'll have more because we're drawing each turn and we have other draw effects. Just the fact that we can cast these and then get more. Like, we're just completely destroying our opponent's hands. And yes, if our opponents do run out of cards, we don't get that advantage anymore, but what's that? Who cares? That means we're going to win. If our opponents... if maybe even if one opponent well probably, probably have to be at least two but if our opponents have none or close to none close to no cards in hand then we we are we have a really really strong advantage in this in the game i mean first of all we can use that ability for four black black to make each opponent with no cards in hand lose 10 life. To win ourselves the game quite quickly. And we can also just sit back and relax. I mean, stockpile our cards until, until they do get cards in hand. And then we'll just destroy it again. It's just, it's incredibly good. Um, I might build it. Nah, I don't think I will. I like it, but... I don't think I'm going to build it. It's a, it's a little straightforward for me. I like quite strange decks. Alright, which of the Moors. 3 Black Black for 4-4 four, four with Death Touch. At the beginning of your end step, if you gained life this turn, each opponent sacrifices a creature, and you will return up to 1 target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Alright, so... There's a lot of different aspects to this, but the first thing I'm going to talk about is indirectly related. Well, sort of sort of related to this, but also other things. I really like the fact that between Jumpstart and between Corset 2021, there has been synergy. The themes that they are trying to support, they have done in both of these sets. Now, there has been some exceptions, and it's not a perfect rule but the fact that they are going across these two sets and making it so that they really, really can support these themes is incredible. Second of all, yes, this does support life gain, but it's quite strange a benefit. First, uh, I do think this would go best in Soul Sisters. Being able to return a creature card from my graveyard to my hand in a white-black Soul Sisters deck would work incredibly well. That I'd say is probably the only life gain deck it would actually fit in. Other than that, it it's good. Like making our opponent sack sac a creature is incredibly powerful, and getting a creature back is also quite good. It is very powerful, and there's no d- denying that. But it's not powerful in a synergistic way. So I don't know. It's fine. It's good, it works, but it's just not a benefit that works in a life gain deck. Alright, next up is Chained Brute. One in a red for 4-3. It doesn't untap during your untap step, and one second other creature untap chained brute. Activate this ability only during your turn. Now, this is a combo piece. There aren't too many combos with it, and they're not particularly powerful with it but if you have a presence in, a presence of gond and an earthcraft or a cryptolith rite and a haste outlet haste and a haste enabler instead of the earthcraft or something similar to that then you get infinite uh one ones that are tapped you can win with those either by waiting or waiting until your next turn or using any basically any effect on etb you could also use a Doubling Season and a Haste Enabler with that, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but you can combo off with this relatively easy- easily, and it will go fairly well in the same type of decks that Presence of Gond and Midnight Guard go. Um, I don't think that that combo is going to see much play, but I just thought it was notable. Immolating Gyre, 4 red-red for sorcery. Immolating Gyre deals X damage to each creature and e- planeswalker you don't control, where X is the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. I'm just gonna say this now, I have not analyzed this card, but from, the, from my memory of analyzing things and from the discoveries I've made, I would not expect this to do much damage. I think you would be incredibly lucky for this to deal four damage. If you are milling, that is a completely different um, that is a completely different scenario. And if you have an incredibly high number of so- instants and in sorceries, I'm talking more than thirty, then that might also be a different scenario. But here's what I urge you to do. I urge you. To think what time you are going to be ratting. I would say probably around turn 7, but it can depend on your board's, board state. Then I want you to count the number of instants in sorcery, deck, sorcery cards in your deck and organize them by CMC. So what you're going to do is you're going to take all the cards with CMC 5 or less. Uh, well, you know what, we're going to assume turn 7. CMC 6 or less. And take ones with CMC 7 and count them as one half. You are then going to count up that number. Assume if you have an incredibly high number of car- if instants and sorceries in one uh, converted mana cost slot. I'm talking more than 15. Incredibly unlikely. Almost never happens. Uh, then you might want to discount those beyond the number 15. Uh so what you're gonna do is you're gonna plug in that number to a hypergeometric distribution calculator. I will put in put that in the description. That all your CMC six and below and cmc seven counted as half. You're gonna put that into the number of successes in populations. So we're just gonna say twenty-four, because I honestly have no idea. Uh, I'd say that's a pretty average scenario. Population size is going to be 99. Sample size, as I said, we are assuming this is turn 7. So, we are talking 14 cards. And number of successes in sample, let's try 1. How likely are you to get 1 card? So, I usually just try and run through the numbers. Okay, 1, we have a 98% chance, we're fine. Two, we have a ninety percent chance. Three, we have a seventy-one percent chance. And once we go up to four, we have a forty-five percent chance. As I said, you would be lucky to get four. And if we want, we want five. Say, uh, that's that's a twenty-two percent chance. I just don't see. I just don't think it's very realistic for you to categorize this as a wrath. I I guess that's I guess I just did a card of the week, incidentally, so eh. I wasn't planning on doing one because it's a bonus episode, but I guess you guys get a bonus in the bonus episode. Alright, next up is Lightning Phoenix. Uh two and a red for a tutu with flying and haste. Lightning Phoenix can't block. At the beginning of your end step, if an opponent was dealt three or more damage this turn, you may pay two and a red. If you, or sorry, you may pay red. If you do, return Lightning Phoenix from your graveyard to the battlefield. Um, I think this is the same as just about every other Phoenix. Uh, it's pretty irrelevant in Commander, but might be relevant in other Eternal formats. Um, it just seems kind of inconsequential having a 2-2 with Flying and Haste that can come back doesn't really matter if you get it back. Alright, next up is Muxus Goblin Grandi. 4 red red for 4-4. When Muxus Goblin Grandi enters the battlefield, reveal the top 6 cards in your library, put all goblin creature cards from among, with converted mana cost 5 or less from among them onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Whenever Muxus attacks, Muxus attacks, it gets plus 1 plus 1 until end of turn for each other goblin you control. So, first notable thing is there are a significant number of goblins that will get Goblin that will search your library for goblins and put them on top of your library. Particularly one which can search for any number and put them on top of your library in any order. That can be cr- incredibly, incredibly powerful. Um, so, being able to get a ton, and ton, a ton of goblins out is incredible and I do think this is a very unique way to play goblins. Usually, it is just all about getting all the goblins you possibly can. And it's goblins, you can't really change that, but I do think it is a little bit unique with the added uh, top of library man- manipulation aspect. Plus, being able to potentially win with Voltron and, well, kill one player with Voltron, kill one player with tokens, that's usually how these things work. It can be incredibly powerful. Alright, next up is Sethron, Herloon General. 3, red, red for legendary creature Minotaur Warrior, 4-4. When Sethron, Herloon General, or another non-token Minotaur enters a battlefield under your control, Create a 2 3 red minotaur creature token. 2 and 2 hybrid black red. Minotaur creatures you control get plus 1, plus 0 and gain menace and haste until end of the turn. Actually, it doesn't say minotaur creatures you control, it says minotaurs you control. So, you know what I'm going to check? I'm going to check if there are any Minot- minotaurs that are not, uh, that are not creatures. Uh, let's do that, Scryfall search real quick. Um I'm considering doing a oh I must have typed it wrong. Oh, uh, no. I didn't type it Yeah, there's none. That's sad. I was gonna say you could give a non creature card um menace and haste and plus one plus oh which isn't really unique, but I just think it's fun to do that type of thing. Uh I was I'm considering doing a bonus episode on scryfall syntax, but I'm certainly not going to do that now because I just did basically three episodes in a row with core 2021 set review, uh, jumpstart set review, and the normal weekly one. Next is spiteful prankster 2 in a red for 3-2. As long as it's your turn, spiteful prankster has first strike. Whenever another creature dies, spiteful prankster deals one damage to target player or planeswalker. So, that is good. It's, it's good to have a way to deal damage off of death, and it can help with a lot of infinite combos. Other than that, it's pretty mediocre. I mean, getting value off of them can be good, but not particularly in red. Next up is Xurzoth, Chaos Rider. Two and a red for a 2-3. Whenever an opponent draws their first card each turn, if it's not their ter- if it's not their turn, you create a one-one red devil creature token. With when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. Uh, and whenever one or more devils you control attack one or more players, you and those pl- players each dis- each draw a card, then discard a card at random. So there's a lot of different things they can do. This can do. First of all, this can be a Devil Tribal deck, which is very needed. Second of all, it can be a uh, way to manipulate card draw, um, which is also very needed in those colors. Um, Could work. It could definitely work. And it could just be a mix of the two. I think this could be a fun and interesting Chaos deck rather than honestly most chaos decks with the exclusion of coin flipping a lot of chaos decks will just love to mess with everyone and just have no idea what is happening this yes it has an aspect of that but there is some control you're not just there is just like there isn't just like total mayhem with no one having any idea of what is happening and having any ability to plan Chaos decks can almost be like Stax decks sometimes, and I don't think this really has that aspect. Next up is Allosaurus Shepherd. Green for 1-1, creature Elf Shaman. Can't be countered, and green spells you control can't be countered. Four green green. Until end of turn, each elf creature you control has base tower power, and toughness 5-5 five, five, and becomes a dinosaur in addition to its other types. This is a elf win con. I'd say... Overall, it's a semi-bad. It's an it's a mediocre Elf Wincon. It's definitely not the best of Wincons in Elf decks. It's also definitely not the worst. I could see it being in a fitting into a deck, but it certainly might get cut. So Allosaurus Shepherd can work, cannot. We'll see. Branching evolution two and a green for an enchantment if one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on a creature you control twice that many plus one plus one counters are put on that creature instead it is sort of like doubling season except only for plus one plus one counters but it doubles plus one plus one counters that is incredibly useful in many many decks next is Naith of the dire hunt two green Green for a 3-3 Legendary Creature, Human Warrior. Whenever one or more creatures you control fight or become blocked, draw a card. And at the beginning of combat on your turn, you may play 2 Hybrid Red-Green if you do double target creature's power until end of turn. That creature must be blocked this combat if able. This is the commander to the fight deck. This basically makes the uh, archetype of a fight deck actually a thing. Without this, it's just fringe, and I don't think very many people really would build it. So, this is incredibly good. Uh, it will make it so that fight can actually become a viable deck. Well, I wouldn't say, is it viable? Maybe. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with maybe. Maybe viable towering titan four green 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 for a zero zero when it enters the battlefield with it enters the battlefield with x plus one plus one counters on it where x is the total toughness of other creatures you control uh, sacrifice a creature with defender all creatures gain trample until end of turn so this just goes in a defender deck it can work incredibly well if you don't have a Defender, A uh, thing that can let your defenders attack, or it can just effectively double the attack capability of your board. Or be much more than double because your defenders can't attack. Um, Alright, so there's one last thing to touch on before we end the reprint segment of this set review. Thriving Bluff, Thriving Grove, the Thriving Cycle. So these are lands that enter the battlefield and they have tap, add one color, so it's either white, blue, black, red, or green, um, or one mana of the chosen color. When, When they enter the battlefield, you choose a color other than the color that they can tap for. So they're basically better tap lands. They can be definitely used and they're going to be cheap. I think they are going to be middle of the road lands they're certainly not the best lands and they're certainly not the worst lands but the way that they are tight the way that they are written they can fit in a lot of land of decks with minimal overlap with without infringing on color identity too much and they are just well designed if you are in a three or four color deck you get to choose which other color you want I think this is really good because it fills its niche. It is one of the best budget, super budget lands. And it always will be. These are not going to be in super high demand. And they're definitely one of the worst, honestly, lands. Just because of the fact that they enter tapped. But that's okay. They can still work very well. Alright, next up are the reprints not gonna touch too much on these um it's the same story as all these i'm just gonna read like literally seven cards because once we get to seven well eight cards once we get to eight cards uh all the notable reprints are done crater behemoth um four green 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 for a five five with haste when it enters the battlefield creatures you control gain trample and get plus x plus x until end of turn where X is the number of creatures you control. And it's a 5-5. I'm sure that I didn't need to read that for you. I'm sure that you have had the wonderful experience of being destroyed by, by Crater Herf behemoth. Um, I don't know why I said wonderful like so ironically. Because it's not that bad. I mean, they earned it by creating so, so many creatures. But... Yes, Craterhoof Behemoth is getting reprinted. Um, that is huge because it used to be so expensive. Next is Oracle of Moldaya, Three and a green for a 2-2. You may play an additional land on each of your turns. Play with the top card of your library revealed. And you may play lands card- land cards from the top of your library. That is incredibly good. I mean, yeah, it's great. Cheaper now. Shieldred. Whispering one. 5 black black for 6-6 six, six with swamp block. At the beginning of your upkeep, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, that player sacrifices a creature. Honestly, I'm surprised that this is expensive. Um, but I guess it was. So, okay. Rhystic Study. 2 and a blue for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, you draw. You may draw a card unless that player pays one. That is insane. That is just wonderful. That is go- that used to be so expensive, and now it's going to be so so much cheaper. Uh, Ghoul cool Cost Color Gisa, three black black for a legendary creature human wizard, T- black tap sack another creature create X 22 black zombie creature tokens where X is the sacrificed creature's power. Again, not sure why that was so expensive. But I guess it was. Kira, the Great Glass Spinner. Two, one, blue-blue for a 2-2 two, two with flying. Creatures you control have whenever this creature becomes the target of a spell or ability for the first time each turn. Counter that spell or ability. Great. Um, good protection. Will be cheaper. Riptide Laboratory. Land, tap, add colorless. One, blue, tap, return target wizard you control to its owner's hand. Again, cheaper now. That's gonna be great. Great for... Decks with a wizard as a commander that can either be recast for value or more likely just used as incidental protection. And the last card I have to talk about, which is surprisingly low on this list, but I know it used to be at, le- at least twenty dollars. And I know a lot of these definitely don't seem like they used to be twenty dollars. Herald's Horn, maybe about most most games you'll probably get a creature from it, but don't expect more than that. Alright. And it is fi- time for the last category. Uh, this episode has gone, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, this episode is a lot longer than I thought. I thought this was going to be a nice short set review so I could chill out after having a two hour episode and then a. Well, I guess the last one was only half an hour, so. I'm not sure when this is going to release. Yeah, no, this is probably going to release on about Tuesday. So, whatever. Point is, uh, this is a long episode, and that's annoying because I'm trying to do things other than work on the podcast, which is basically what I've been doing for two weeks straight. Um, because of all these new sets. Alright, so, first category, Above the Clouds. So above the clouds has four categ- four four decks four packs whatever I'm gonna call them decks because that's what they call that's what um wizards wizards articles call them so uh it has four decks so it is a common theme um again I I think I'm just gonna talk about what the categories are and um how many theme how many decks they have so you know it's support for creatures with the keyword flying uh in whatever way it could be angels uh it's angel tribal any uh creature with the type angel support for that uh and there are two decks within that category archaeology is basically recursion Is what they say it is. But it's actually Artifact Recursion. Um, There are four. uh, Within that type. So. That is a. Common. uh, Type. Common deck. Common something. I don't know. Uh, There is Basri. Which. um, Not sure. It's just like. Cards that work with Basri. uh, Which is a planeswalker from it so that's it's pretty weird uh there's only one in that category there are cats which there are two decks for so that is an uncommon um it's just cat tribal there is chandra which is cards that work with the card sean with the chandra planeswalker there's only one of that there is devilish which is devil tribal there are four of that there is dinosaurs, which is dinosaur tribal, which there are four of that. So it's common. Uh, there is discarding, which is cards that work with making your opponents discard cards, which there are two of that. There is doctor, which um is life gain. There is doctor, which is life gain, and there are four of that. There is dogs, uh, again, uh, I'm, I'm probably confused. I feel like I remember dogs already have, I, already seeing dogs, but I'm probably just confused. There's dogs, which is dog tribal, wh- and there are two of that. There is dragons, what, what just happened? I'm so confused. Oh, okay. There are dragons, which are two of that, which is dragon tribal. There's elves, which is Elf Tribal, and there are two of that. There is Enchanted, which is auras. Anything that works with auras. And there is there are two of that. There are Feathered Friends, which are flying-related uh, things, but in white, I think. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Uh, there are four of that. Um, there is Garuk. I think the other flying was in blue exclusively, so that's interesting. So some themes are actually extra common because they don't overlap in colors. So some themes might even have 8 decks really that go with it if you're willing to mash together colors, which of course it's not really a choice, but that's honestly an interesting revelation. Um, There is Garuk, which is cards that work with the Garuk Planeswalker. There is goblins, or sorry, there's only one Garruk, of course. There are four goblins, and it's just cards that are, it's just goblin tribal. There's heavily armored, which is plus one, plus one counters, and there are four of those... There's lands, which is just cards that work with having lands. Um, so there's ways to get extra lands, and there's triggers off of lands. Uh, and there are two of those. There is Legion, which makes me think of Boros. Um, but is mono-white. Um, honestly, I'm not sure what this is supposed to be. It has Path to Exile. It has, um... I don't know what it is. Uh, it just seems like a bad white deck. Because it, it has some pump uh, team effects. But it doesn't really have token production. I don't know what Legion is supposed to be. But there are four of them. So I, I think I think the idea is you make a ton of tokens. And then you pump them up and attack with them. But... That's kind of strange. Okay, there's lightning, which is um uh which is just burn. And there are two of those. There's Liliana, works with Liliana Planeswalker, with the Liliana Planeswalker, and there's one of that. There's minions, which I guess is just mono black death, uh, which there are two four of that. There is Minotaurs, which is Minotaur Tribal, and there are two of that. There is Phyrexian, which is Phyrexian, like, thematically, not mechanically. Uh, I guess there's not really too much mechanical synergies, so okay. There is Pirates, which is uh, cards that work with Pirates. Uh, Pirate Tribal, and there are two of that. There's plus one, which is plus one, plus one counters, in green this time rather than white. So again, we have an overlapping theme just in different colors. My guess is that there is a specific breakdown of how exactly they are supposed to make the decks, what colors they're supposed to be, in order to make the- make sure that they all go together well. Uh, there are four plus one, plus one counters. Plus one decks. Uh there is Predatory, which is fighting, yeah. There's Predatory, which is fighting. Um Yeah. There is there are four of those. There's Rainbow, which is five color, and there's only one of those. Uh and apparently the main the main the sorry and apparently, the fixing is completely terrible. So that that sucks. Um, and I guess the cards in it are, are okay, you get a Maelstrom Archangel, but it's not the best. Uh, there's Reanimated, which is Reanimate, and there are four of those. There's Rogues, which is Rogue Tribal, and there are two of those. There is seismic, which is just burn, sort of? No. It's... I don't know what it is. It seems like just a thematic decision. It's sort of burn, and then it's also random elementals that just say seismic or just have some relation to volcanoes. So I'm thinking this is just mechanical, this is just thematic, not mechanical, and also there's only one, but this isn't a particularly powerful pack, so I'm not sure why. Seismic is weird, but whatever. Smashing, which is... Uh, I don't know what Smashing is. It's red, Um, it's got fling and shock, and some random bad creatures. I, I think it's burn... Everything here seems like burn. Not gonna lie. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, there are four smashing decks. Uh, there's spell. There's sp- there's spelling. There's spell casting. Whoever made these lists uh, made a lot of issues. Made a lot of mistakes. For one thing, they must have misspelled a lot of things because most of these cards are not in are not properly categorized. And are not displaying the card image. First, second of all, they inconsistently spelled uh, the th- na- theme names. I don't know what I don't know what happened here, but someone has to proofread this. Uh, so this is just uh, ways to take advantage of casting instance and sorcery spells, and there are four of these. There is spirits, which is spirit tribal, and there are two of these. There's Spooky, which is Death ag- Again, and there are four of these. Honestly, one thing I'm noticing here is these themes, they've stuck with this one, two, four pattern, but a lot of them are the same thing. The, it seems as if the themes aren't really the actual themes, it's the themes within this specific color. And I'm pretty sure we've already had black. It just seems like they're pulling its strings. It seems like they're making these weird connections that aren't really there. They're not really the best they they're not really these themes. They're something else. So I'm not sure not sure how I feel about that. Uh, there's Teferi, which is cards that work with Teferi Planeswalker. I don't... I don't love the Planeswalker theme decks. It's sort of like, um, when they make Planeswalker decks. Like, it's just not... It's not really a theme. Like, okay, so I have this card that searches my library for a Planeswalker for me? Okay, that's good, I guess. When the Planeswalkers are good, which... uh, Remember I was saying they misspelled all the cards? And I can't select over them to see what they are. Yeah, I can't see any of these planeswalkers. So I don't know. I don't I don't know if they're good or not. And then there's also just these random, oh yeah, you also have a lot of cards that say the word Teferi on them. That's not synergistic. It's just a plane it's just you hoping your planeswalker's gonna win the game for you. It isn't even that good. So, why is it mythic? It's like they've drawn this um, m- illusion of better value, more powerful deck with the rarity of them, but half of them are used multiple times, and the rarities don't even seem to reflect that. Um, it's weird. Tree hugging. Tree hugging is draw and ramp. So, tree hugging is just green. That's another thing. Some of these themes aren't themes. They're just. They're just the color. Like, it's just like a random selection of cards that are mediocre in this set color. So, that's pretty weird. Oh, this reminds me of Pack Wars, actually. This is totally like Pack Wars. Wow. How did I not realize this before? Yes. Okay, um, it, I don't know what, I don't know what tree hugging is. It's got draw, it's got ramp, um, it's got random creatures, um, so I, I, I guess it's just green. That's just the only thing, you know? It's, it's got random pump, it's got some, uh, artifact or, or sorry, enchantment or creature with flying removal, so just green, Uh, There's Under the Sea, which is, you know what, I'll, I'll give them this one. This is an underwater thematic deck. But I just feel like these thematic decks are strange. I mean, I feel like the thematic things are better to be built by the players. Now hear me out, hear me out, okay? Of course, it is very important for wizards to make lore. But what lore people like is up to them. The connections that they enjoy are up to them. In this type of thing, I don't think it's up to you to be spoon-feeding us this thematic thing. And I think it's an excuse for them to just throw in some blue cards with no theme. I, I mean, I just don't think this is the way to be giving us thematic things. I think you guys should be giving us lore and cards that fit within that lore. Not cards that just are thematic. Like, I don't even think Jumpstart has any lore. Um, so, I don't know. There are two under-the-sea card under-the-sea decks. Okay, there is a Unicorn deck, which is Unicorn Tribal. Uh, there, uh, there is th- four Vampire decks, which is Vampire Tribal. There's a walls deck, which is wall tribal. there is a books deck, which is book um books somehow again, what what is books like it's books? It's just book themes, and half these cards don't even I guess it's just draw, yeah, it's a draw. what am I talking about? It's not I mean it is books like they've got these islands with books and no, no what. I'm so confused. Um I'm not sure whether they specify which island to show, but pretty sure it's supposed to be islands with books on them because I did see that as art and it looks beautiful. Um it's probably my f- new favorite land actually. The islands with books on them from Jumpstart. But beyond that, um it's got some weird um book theme and also it's got draw. So As draw, that's great, except for the fact that we're just drawing. We don't have really any way to take advantage of our draw, other than Ormos, which is not really a great way. Or, I mean, you know what? I'll give them this. Because it is a half deck, you can hope that you will get something on the other half. And then, uh, there's four four real red ones. Uh, then there's Witchcraft, which is, um, um, I am not sure, again. I mean, they have Bogbrew Witch, uh, they have brew Witch, Festering Newt, and they have Bubbling Cauldrons. So they have that, um, synergy. They have a food, um, sub-theme, and they have a life gain sub theme and they have like a a witch uh thematic thing i i really don't know what's happening with this it just it doesn't it doesn't work very well it just seems like lots of witch thematic cards maybe uh it just seems like lots of random card stuff together all right Um, Wizards, there are, or sorry, there are two Witchcraft decks. Wizards, I'm assuming is Wizard Tribal. Yeah, it technically is. It is Wizard Tribal, except there's nothing that actually works with Wizards. I think it's actually Instant and Sorcery Tribal, maybe? Yeah, it's actually Instant and Sorcery Tribal that has a lot of Wizards because there's literally nothing that synergizes with wizards and there's lots of instants and sorceries and things that synergize with instants and sorceries. Alright, that is all of the deck lists. Uh, I will leave links in the description to the hypergeometric distribution calculator if you want to do the calculation I was talking about earlier with Ormos. I will leave links I will leave a link to the deck lists. I will leave a link to the uh, full set, uh, unorganized, uncategorized into deck lists, and with no overlap. And I will leave a link to the set, only Grand Reprints ordered by price USD, US dollars. You can change it to CID or uh, whatever currency are using if you want that, and I will leave links to everything that is not a reprint. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe if you enjoyed for more. Like or rate uh, my podcast, depending on which platform you are on. Comment or write a review, again, depending on which platform you are on, Hit the notification bell if you are on YouTube, and share it with your friends. Uh, in order to contact me, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, mainly, you can do it through email, uh, which is Gryffindole at gmail.com, link in the description, of course. Uh, y- or through my Discord server, link in the description, you can PM me, or you can just at me in the server. Um, you can also, if you really want, you can comment. I will probably respond, but that's a really weird way of of contacting me. Also, that only works on YouTube. Not sure why you would do that, but if you really want to, uh, you can send me a voice message, uh, which there will be, again, a link in the description, and I can include this message in my podcast. Uh, I'm sure that I will, if it is a good question, I will probably add a listener question segment if I get a reasonable amount of questions. Next, uh, deck links will be included for whatever decks, if I even talked about a deck this episode, I almost definitely did, uh, they will be included in the description. Uh, You can look at other decks I've built for the Commander Quest on my Commander Quest Architect link in the description, or at Commander Quest, you can look at decks I built for other reasons. On my personal da- Architect garbage. I did change my name, so old links might not be relevant, m- might not work anymore, but it should. It should still work with the one in the description. Uh, You can view this podcast on either YouTube or most podcast platforms, whichever you prefer. Uh, If you want to find my podcast on another platform, you can go to my website, link in the description, and there will be links within that. And, for the last time, there are links to all of those things I just talked about within the description and a hypergeometric distribution calculator, which is a way that I can help calculate uh, for card of the week. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time.